What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Motor City Metrics Podcast. This is episode 40, Youper. 40 episodes. How about that? Um, I wish I was 40. <laughs> It'd be nice. I, I, don't, I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> Someday you will, John. Someday Some... you will know how to respond to that. <laughs> yeah. It's, time's going by fast, honestly. They say once you get out of high school, time flies by. And it really has been. Um, but, yeah, on the docket for tonight, um, last time we talked to you, or I wasn't on the show, but last time the Motor City Metrics podcast was live, we talked about the Parker Meadows. Uh, or, no, that was after the before the Parker Meadows home run, right? Yes. So, yeah, we had the Parker Meadows walk-up home run, and then we had three tough losses. We did have a Miguel Cabrera home run sprinkled in there as well, so that's something for you. Um, but yeah, I know you wanted to comment, Youper, on obviously having the big walk-off win, but then kind of coming back down to earth a little bit over these last three games. Uh, so, what have you seen out of the Detroit Tigers lately? Well, you know, it's been so interesting uh, as they played a little bit better there for a few weeks, and the offense started to produce a few runs. You started to kind of get some feeling that hey, you know, something is coming together. But you always needed to temper that by looking at the again the the entire season as a whole and where they are in terms of you know a negative 100 run differential and so on. And then on you know Friday night, uh, just a classic All American baseball dramatic moment. Oh, Mike, uh, you, your mic is disconnected. It says your mic is disconnected. Um, yes, by the way, you gets that figured out. Obviously, he's talking about, oh, you're back, you. I'm back? Yep, you're back. What's the last thing you heard? Oh, <laughs> uh, dramatic Friday night. That was a good Friday night. You know, I mean, uh, it was the All-American rookie uh, with his family in the stands. Everybody's excited. Pounds one off into the into the nethers of the night, and um, uh, Dan Dickerson gives it a perfect call. Uh, everybody was happy, right? I mean, that was just the perfect way to start the weekend. I was at the Savannah Banana Games when that happened, and but I happened to be watching on my phone between innings, and it was just phenomenal. Um, and you start thinking, wow, this team is starting to put some things together. And then, of course, they've played now, including tonight against the Yankees, they've played three straight pretty dreadful baseball games. Uh, where the offense has not worked, uh, and they've started to look like the team that you know we watched struggle through, say in June, for instance. Um, I really just think that as much as there has been some improvement and we have some players to watch, I thought the Astros series, because let's face it, they were about to lose that game on Friday night, uh, and then to you know get kind of drubbed on Saturday and Sunday, it showed the wide gulf between what the Tigers are and what a championship team is. Because the Astros, probably not the best team in baseball, but they are, you know, obviously one of the probably seven or eight best teams in baseball. They show what a lot of veteran, experienced at-bats can do over the course of a weekend. Wore the Tigers pitching right out. And they had a lot of batters. You know, they have a lot of uh, veteran hitters who are tough with two strikes, uh, kept at-bats alive until they could get themselves on base and mash one somewhere. Um, and that's just not what Detroit does right now. And I think that's what we've seen over the last uh, three games, and including tonight. You know, this, this is not a, a vintage Yankee club, but with some of the power that they have and some of the disciplined at-bats, they were able to wait out the Tigers once they got Reese Olsen out of the game, score a few runs, and they kept Detroit off the board. Yeah, I mean, in terms of that 17-4 loss, I was at the game, got to my third game of the year, uh, it, it was going okay for a little bit, and then it got kind of rough. I get to see Verlander and Cabrera, but the the, the dramatic part, I won't say the dramatic part, the, I'm, I'm trying to think of like a word. The depressing part, I guess you could say, is I left before the Miguel Cabrera home run. Ooh. So you, you could yeah. say that I potentially missed out on Miggy's last home run, um, which is – it's not something I really want to tell my kids, you know. I, I would rather tell them I got this. I would rather tell them I got to see Miguel Cabrera's last home run, not that I left the game early and missed it. So maybe I'll get to another game. Maybe Miguel hit a few more home runs. But uh, I mean, it was a, a classic Miguel Cabrera home run. He really got a hold of that. I'd be three hundred ninety-one feet 
Um, but yeah, did miss that, but got to see Verlander, which was great. And obviously a very tough loss. We got to see uh, Zach Short in the game. And Tyler Holton, as apparently human, gave up four earned runs as well. Uh, We're going to talk about some of the young Tigers pitchers later on the show. Alex Fajardo, he held his own for the most part against the Astros. Uh, Did have a couple struggles. I mean, that Kyle Tucker home run was an absolute laser. I mean, that thing got out of there in a New York second if we're talking about the Yankees. Um, and then tonight you have resource and we're going to talk about him as well. 20 swings and misses and four and a third innings pitch, 10 strikeouts. So a lot of young Tigers pitchers trying to find their way uh, on this roster, trying to essentially try out for next year to solidify their spot uh, for the 2024 team. Um, so, yeah, a lot of great stuff coming on the show as well. We're going to talk about some of the young guys struggles. We're going to talk about a certain individual who Tigers fans uh, want to be DFA'd. Um, which I didn't really see that coming. I saw it on Twitter. There was a hashtag, so it's official, and we need to talk about it. Um, hashtag yeah. official, right? Yes, it is official. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there's some good moments about these games. Zach McKinstry is a guy I think we're going to talk about had two triples tonight. He's been hitting better over his last seven to 15 games. He's been respectable after going into a pretty big slump. And then Parker Meadows, like Tiger Townsend is in the chat. Uh, Parker Meadows, he's been drawing walks defensively. He's checking all the boxes, so he's going to be a player to watch as well. Um, so I feel like I've just been teasing this. I mean, we can just get right into it. Um, what what are we going to be watching over this next a uh, little over a month well, of the season for the Tigers? Well, one thing we're going to watch, and what you just talked about, and unfortunately you missed it, we're going to watch Cabrera, right? I mean, that's a big part of – we can talk about all the young guys, and we will. But we're, this is our last few weeks to get to watch, you know, Probably the best Tiger hit of our lifetime. Um, you know, hopefully get on a little bit of a roll here uh, for the last few weeks. That was a great swing he put on that uh, pitch on Saturday. Good for him. Or, or Sunday. Was that Sunday? Whatever it was. That was Sunday. Yeah, um, it was Sunday. That was cool. Uh, hopefully he has a couple more. You know, if he hits like three or four more home runs, he'll pass up, I think, three more players. Uh, to move up into like 22nd in home runs. Uh, so there's there's something, and he has maybe 10 or 12 more hits to pass a couple of more players like George Brett as well for the all-time hits list. So that's going to be something to watch. And let's face it, we know it's winding down. We know what the last few years have been like. But now that it's here, he's something to appreciate. And even tonight, he smoked a liner off of uh, Severino. Uh, just a great at bat. And it's it's fun to watch. Uh, some of the at-bats he puts together, uh, when you know he's diminished physically uh, and really probably should have retired a couple of years ago if, uh, if all things were, you know, uh, all things being equal. But he's there. He gets overmatched on occasion. That's to be expected. But it sure is fun uh, to see the old fella kind of wind it down here and looking like a, a professional hitter. Yeah, I mean, he's hitting 248 on the year, had his third home run. I mean, he's been respectable. I mean, he's he's a better hitter than Javi Baez, if, if we're just being honest. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I mean, he did have a rough start to the season, but he has been respectful. He has gone into a little bit of a slump, obviously take, not accounting the home run he had. But he's been, I'd say, a respectable hitter. And I think a lot of time. I mean, I remember at the start of the season, we were talking about the Tigers parting ways with him, DFAing him, like him retiring early. And I think he's been a guy that can come in and hit against lefties and he's been respectable, and that's definitely something we're going to watch to see how far he can climb up those rankings. If he can get a couple more home runs, um, I, I'm, I can't think off the top of my head who's in front of him right now, but I do know he's 26th all time. So I think he could probably get into like 23rd, 22nd. Um, so we'll see yep. about that. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of things I'll be watching, I mentioned a guy like Zach McKinstry. I think he's going to be a guy who got off to a really good start of the season. Uh, then went into a pretty big slump, has shown some signs of life. Obviously, tonight having two triples, uh, 683 OPS on the year. I mean, that's not terrible. He's hitting around 240. He's a guy that can maybe play that Don Kelly role that we've all – I feel like we've always you know, talked about who can be the next Don Kelly, like this Don Kelly role. Maybe he could play that role for the Tigers next year. He does have 15 stolen bases, Zach McKinstry, this year. Um, so I think he's going to well, be a guy to watch. Oh, go ahead. I think it's very possible that he could stick around. And I think that uh, one thing that as the team gets better, hopefully he'll play less. And I think the less he plays, the more effective he might be. And the more his presence 
will draw uh, less criticism than it might on these years where he's playing a lot because he's at the level he's probably should he's not she shouldn't be a you know a two-thirds starter for you where he's starting two out of every three games he's not that guy um you know he had that hot stretch in in may and people were calling him the new leadoff hitter of the future and uh, obviously that came to a screeching halt once the once the league figured out he couldn't hit breaking balls inside, he was toast for several weeks there. Um, now, I did notice one of those triples tonight came on a pitch that came inside, and he was able to pull his hands in, and he whipped the bat around and, and, and drove that in to the corner. That was great, but he hasn't done a whole lot of that the last couple months. Uh, that pitch uh, just off the plate and inside has eaten him alive. So that's something I'm sure he'll work on. Um, but I like McKinstry. I think it's, it's, he runs the base as well. Uh, he's, he, you can play him all over the field. He has never embarrassed himself at any single position. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's probably at best, uh, you know, a 230 to 240 hitter uh, who might show an occasional stroke of power, kind of like Don Kelly. And, but Don Kelly didn't play much. <laughs> Yes, Donko, I didn't play. And I just thought of another idea, and I know it's going to be a little bit off the wall, but I want to save it towards the end of the show because I think it'll be a really fun discussion. Um, And again, thank you to the sponsor of the podcast, Bloodright, for $5. Um, Really, really appreciate it. Have we ever found out who Bloodright is, by the way? Do you have any inside information? I don't think he's part of the Illich family. Okay. Pretty sure. Uh, You know, he, he. could be who do we talk about really nicely on this show more than anybody scott harris we talk about scott harris nicely yeah well maybe scott harris's nephew or her uncle or something i don't know who do we talk about nicely on this show i don't know hard to say be jake rogers maybe he's jake rogers uncle jake rogers uncle. everybody loves jake rogers riley green. anyway i have riley green's uncle okay sounds good blood ride you've you've now adopted riley green as, as your nephew okay so but yeah, tonight, you know, uh, Reese Olsen, you know, as we look to what this last month of the year was, what we're going to watch, uh, it was impressive. You know, if you were watching those first few innings when he had 10 strikeouts through four and um, got through four and a third, and the Yankees finally started to get to him, his pitch count was pushing 100. Uh, so they got him out of there. Um, but the, the slider was very, very tough. But he was really mixing all his pitches. He wasn't really leaning on all slider or all sinker. Uh, he, he threw his changeup a couple times, his four-seamer. Uh, the, the percentages were fairly uh, nicely divided out. Uh, so he wasn't just – he was being a total pitcher uh, in this outing. Uh, it was impressive. Now, he ran his pitch, up, pitch count up a little bit in that first inning, and that kind of cost him uh, uh, going much farther in this game. But I really – can't believe what we've seen overall. I know his ERA is still around right five, not that impressive, but he has time and again shown the ability to miss bats and something that this organization hasn't had a lot over the last few years uh, since 2017. And I really think that if he is not a starter next year, um, they should be able to groom him into being some kind of two inning weapon. You know, a guy who pitches two innings a couple times a week and really is a bridge to victory for you from your starter to the end of your bullpen. Uh, I, I I really think he has the ability to miss. He could come in, quash a rally um, with by missing bats and then pitch a couple innings after that and then hand it off to the rest of the bullpen for the rest of the night. Yeah, so Reese Olsen, uh, like you said, ERA 5.10. 72 innings pitched, but 78 strikeouts tonight. Um, I did tweet is it just results was obviously impressive tonight, but I have heard rumors about how bad the Yankees offense really is. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously they are under 500, but we can't take anything away from results. And he looked really good tonight. Uh, just 24 years old. I think he's a, uh, one of the bright spots of the Alavila era. I feel like we're saying that a lot. I feel like we've been saying that a lot lately, but that's, a, I don't want to get into that, but yeah, results mm-hmm. looked really good today. And yeah, in terms of like things we're watching, I think there's a lot of pitchers that are kind of trying to make a case for 2024. Like I said, Alex Fiedo has been pretty respectable in the month of August, held his own against a very good Houston Astros lineup. Uh, like you said, Tyler Holden, which I, I think Tyler Holden more than likely, 
I mean, unless he just has a catastrophic collapse over this last month, I think he's got a spot on this team next year uh, unless the Tigers decide to move him. Uh, you've got Brendan White. Brendan White has not given up an earned run since August 9th. Um, a 24-year-old, I think. I mean, what came to mind for me was like he's what we wanted Mason Englert to be this year. And no disrespect to Mason Englert because I thought he was uh, fairly respectable and is still young, and I think he'll uh, find his way back on this roster at some point next year. Uh, Brendan White's been a bright spot as well, as well. And Alex Lange has really uh, kind of figured things out uh, down the stretch, which is good to see. Um, especially for his trade value. Oh, I, I, I see something from you. For what do we got for Alex Lane? Oh, just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> again, he's on a, on a nightly basis. You don't know what lane you're going to get uh, in terms of strike zone, right? Um, he still depends a lot on pitches that end up, we're not in the zone, but we're able to draw a swing. And that's great. Uh, I would love as an umpire to be back there someday. And I would love to get back there and just see what's making guys swing at some of those pitches. You know, that'd be really cool because sometimes they're never in the zone and all of a sudden the pitchers, the, the batter's waving at them. It's amazing. But uh, Alex Lang has started to get off of the, he was walking the plank on his season, right? He started, he's backtracked a little bit now. He's not that far out there. Uh, he's starting to be a little bit more competitive. But there's still some walks in there. There's still some wildness. He's going to have to do a lot more before I really believe in him again. Yeah, so 16 walks in his last 14 innings pitched. Only four hits, yeah. though. He has a 1.29 yeah. ERA in his last four, 15 games, though. So he has been getting the job done, but yes. he, like yes. the, the control, you, you have to take that into account. But you do hope he continues to have a good ending this season. Gets that trade value up uh, because we've seen Scott Harris has been able to flip a couple of these relievers um, and, and get something of value for him. And I think he could potentially do that again. You still have Jason Foley, which I think he has a spot on this team next year, regardless of what happens. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, barring a trade, which that could very well be a possibility. And then uh, the guy we alluded to earlier, DFA, uh, Jose Cisnero. Remember, <laughs> at the deadline, there was Jason Shreve, Jose Cisnero. Tigers fans were getting their pitchforks out about them not trading those two guys. Shreve was DFA'd, and now Jose Cisnero, ERA, I think is approaching six at this point. Uh, feels like he's getting hit around, giving up multiple earned runs in every single outing. I mean, are we just at the point with him at 34 years old where it's time to cut bait and he doesn't have much left in the tank? Well, certainly the the, the latter part, definitely. I don't think there's a whole lot left there. Uh, being 34, that's certainly – understandable. Uh, hey, let's face it. He was, a, he, they found him on the scrap heap. I think he was out of the big leagues for like five years when they brought him back. He had some success over the last couple of years, pitching for some bad teams. He was a minor bright spot, but starting on July, about July 1st of this year, uh, he fell off a cliff and uh, it's, it's been a run scoring cavalcade against him the whole time since then. Uh, it's probably time. The, the question of course being, who are they going to bring in for him? You know, they don't exactly have a ton of options at Toledo. Uh, you could say, well, it doesn't matter. As long as somebody with a pulse comes up, they, they'd be as uh, effective as Cisnero. And that may be true. I, I I just have this hunch they're going to ride the season out with him because he's a veteran. They know what he can do. Um, whether that's right or wrong, I, 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 I kind of guess that's what, what's going to be. Yeah, and you talked about potentially replacing him, and we did get a comment from Tigertown. Uh, Tigertown leaving great comments, as always. Uh, he said he has a question, um, and he said, answer honestly. Um, I'm pretty sure we always do that, um, but we'll, <laughs> we'll try our best. Uh, he said, do you think Casey Mize plays at all this year? I'm leaning no. Um, I mean, that's definitely a storyline to watch out for. I know he was throwing uh, a, a bullpen. I'm not sure exactly how many pitches he was throwing. He threw 20 pitches to a batter, to live hitting, right? And okay. got genuinely, you know, positive reviews. Although they rarely say somebody sucked in one of those things, okay? If, that, if somebody had sucked or they, they wouldn't say much. Uh, but they said he looked good. We'll take it for face value. Take it for what it's worth. Will he face live hitters? In the major leagues, I'm going to say no. Uh, will he pitch in Florida at the instructs? Uh 
possibly will they put him in the Arizona Fall League to get some innings in? I suppose that's possible. Um, but I don't I don't see him pitching in a Tiger uniform in September at all. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to rush him. I believe he's 26 years old, which is kind of crazy to me that Casey Mize is almost in the prime of his career, and he really only has had one full season because um, yeah. he really doesn't get the same criticism or um, the, the same light isn't shined on him as Spencer Torkelson, I think, just because Torque is a hitter. But he Casey Mize was a number one overall pick, and I think um, him entering the prime of his career, I mean, he'll be 27 years old next year. Uh, you really hope he can start to figure things out and have a couple good seasons for the Tigers and be a part uh, of this winning formula for them. Um, but, yeah, I don't think there's any reason to rush him back. Uh, make sure he's ready for next year. I'm sure he might have an innings limit next year. Or they'll try to play it safe as well. Um, but, honestly, as a Tigers fan, I think having Matt Manning healthy and pitching pretty well, having Tarek Skubal healthy and pitching pretty well, um, I think that's good heading into next year. Uh, knock on wood, hopefully both of those guys stay healthy uh, throughout this season and in the offseason. But, yeah, no reason to rush uh, uh, Casey Mize. And um, I- I'm very excited to see what he can be next year because he's going to be a very important part uh, of the future of the Detroit Tigers. I'm really – I'm very curious. If the surgery was a complete success – there's certainly we know the guys who come back from Tommy John surgery and maybe even had a little uptick in velocity and a few things like that. Um, Casey Mize, the one thing when they drafted him that worried me, and I was for drafting him back in the day. I mean, I wasn't on this show. I can't go to the tape. All I can say is I was, I supported drafting Casey Mize, but mostly because there weren't any other players that year in his draft year who were really challenging him for a most talented player, right? They're just, they just weren't. So he was the pick. So there was nothing wrong with the pick, but what I was very leery about in those days was the year before his second to last year at Auburn, they shut him down for forearm issues. And boy, that always frightened me because man, now you're drafting him one, one and the guy had forearm issues and he was shut down the year before. It almost seemed like this day was going to come where there was going to be a Tommy John surgery. It was just a matter of was it going to happen right away or was it going to be able to pitch for a few years with it? Well, it happened fairly soon when, once he got to the majors. But what I'm interested in is during the time between when he came back from the forearm issue to the time where obviously the UCL tore and they had to get it fixed. In that time, while he was pitching in the minors and while he was pitching for the Tigers, was he always sort of pitching around that forearm issue to protect it, you know, if nothing else? Um, I have a hunch, and I'm no pitching coach. I, I'm not a doctor. I'm nothing. But I just wonder if that was always in his mind because he seemed like some of the stuff that he was vaunted to have didn't quite make it to the big leagues with him. You know, the, the, the nasty splitter. We only saw, you know, little peaks at it. We didn't see the full thing unleashed. Sometimes his fastball just looked kind of dead, even though it had decent velocity. It wasn't moving. I'm really, really excited and interested to see if he comes back uh, with a little more confidence in his elbow and if he's really ready to rock and be the Casey Mize that they drafted. I just have this hunch in the back of my mind that that is what we might see um, starting next spring, which would be pretty exciting. Yeah, I agree with that. And I remember on MLB Network, there was Pedro Martinez. If you remember the breakdown he did of Casey Mize, basically predicting his Tommy John surgery and basically like breaking down the way he was throwing the ball and the tension he was putting on his elbow. Um, you hope the tires are going to be able to figure that out with, with Chris Fetter. We obviously, I remember talking about Alex Fayedo and how when he came out of college, the Detroit tires kind of changed the way he was throwing. And, and now it looks like he's reverting back to what he was doing. Uh, you really hope they can figure it out with Casey Mize because at the end of the day, he is a number one overall pick. And I don't think he's ever going to get the same criticism as Spencer Torkelson does. I don't think he's ever going to have the mu- as much pressure as Spencer Torkelson has. But at the end of the day, he's a number one overall pick. And he needs to produce for this team. I mean, in 2021, he had a decent season uh, through about 150 mm-hmm. innings, was uh, arguably the Tigers' best pitcher on a team that won 77 games. Uh, but you really hope, 
as he gets healthy, uh, he could be a big part of this rotation because, I mean, we were talking about him as a, a potential Cy Young winner when he was drafted. That's that's the expectation you have when you're the number one overall pick. And I think now we just want him to be a contributor, maybe make an all-star team or two, uh, have, have a good five- to eight-year stretch where he can just be a consistent contributor for the Detroit Tigers. And uh, you really hope uh, now that this surgery is behind him, uh, we can see that heading into next year. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's going to be a big story on the follow as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I had on the on the prep sheet, like, roster battles. Was there any particular roster battles you think we're going to be looking out for as the season goes along? Well, you know, at catcher, I mean, Jake Rogers has had the, had the year that people were hoping he would have. He hasn't hit for average, but I don't think anybody expected him to hit for average. He's uh, solid behind the plate. He throws well. It provides a little bit of power. Um, I thought he flattened out his swing a little bit, not quite as uppercutty as it was in the beginning. And I think that helped him a little bit um, get the occasional base hit as well. So I think he's back next year. And now it's a matter of what they want to do with Carson Kelly. Now I know some of Tiger's Twitter is all up in arms that he sucks. He's no better than Haas, blah, 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 whatever. Haas was no good either. Okay. I mean, he was popular, a big deal. Not even everybody loved him. Um, but they're going to get a, another month at, look at Carson Kelly. Uh, get a sense of how he handles pitchers. Uh, you know, see what his bat looks like. If there's something they can fix, um, do they want to bring him back? Because they he would be under control for next year, uh, and wouldn't cost them an arm and a leg for their backup catcher, uh, where they could go with Rogers and Kelly uh, if they don't believe Dingler is ready at the start of the year. Yeah, I think that's a good roster battle as well. And um, I mean, I was thinking of some roster battles. Maybe down on the farm because I, I kind of wanted to touch on this. I know we have Raj and Uper. They're a minor league guys. They have their minor league podcast on Sunday nights. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we just had a comment about Cole Keith. Uper, uh, I don't know how much you've been paying attention to Toledo, um, mm-hmm. but I feel like there's a lot of good things going on in Toledo right now. Justin Henry Malloy is hitting 315 in his last 30 games. His OPS is at 897 for the year. Cole Keith has an 888 OPS in AAA has gone on an absolute tear. And you have Soil Gibson Long, who had a good start. I remember struck out 12 batters in a start uh, last week. And then you also you have Dylan Dingler there. And Jace Young, who is a little bit farther down the system, has been hitting well in double-A. So a lot of good things going down on the farm system. And you got to wonder, how does that impact uh, the potential roster looking you know, for next year? Well, I think I you, know, you look at um, someone like – Ryan Kreidler, who I think they're still going to want to give an opportunity to. He's starting to hit, hit a couple of home runs lately. They love his defense. Uh, he can certainly play uh, probably second, third, and short. I wouldn't doubt he can handle the outfield if they put him out there a little bit. Uh, do they want him, a young guy like that, versus a Zach McKinstry? You know, next spring, that could be the, the battle uh, for a roster spot. But at the top of the lineup, that's where the the, the you know, the sexy stuff happens, right? Colt Keith, Justin Henry Malloy, the gaudy stats that they're putting up. When are they going to get their opportunity? Uh, it sounded like it's not going to be this fall in Detroit. Just reading between the lines of what Scott Harris said to the media. Uh, and that's okay. Uh, but will they be counted on an opening day next year? I think Malloy probably has a chance. Uh, Colt Keith, they're probably going to be conservative unless he really tears the ball, the cover off the ball uh, in spring training. Um, Then it comes down to, do they want these guys on the opening day roster on the off chance that one of them could win rookie of the year and they get a first round draft pick, which would be awesome. Or do they play the service time game, which they can control, bring them up seven to 10 games into the regular season so that they can control them for an extra year before free agency. Uh, that'll be that's going to be the big talk I think next spring was when we when they're looking to make the final roster depending what kind of free agent signings and trades they make yeah I mean if I'm being honest I think Justin Henry Malloy is a better hitter than Parker Meadows I think Colt Keith is a better hitter than Parker Meadows I think it just comes mm-hmm. down to defensively Parker Meadows is a good defender he he's ready to contribute defensively at the major leagues I saw some numbers on Twitter about his a uh, defensive war and how he's already impacted the Tigers positively there. And I think it just comes down to Justin Henry Malloy is not a good defender and you don't really know where he's going to fit in. And Sky Harris doesn't think he's ready 
uh, to contribute on that end of the on that side of the field. And I think the same thing with Colt Keith. I don't think he could. I don't think Scott Harris believes he could stick at third base every day. Um, so we've heard talks about him being, playing at second base. Um, I think that's what really are, is holding these guys back. I mean, Colt Keith is still just 21 years old, a couple of years younger than both of those guys. But it, it's really interesting to see, and it's really exciting to see what's going down in Toledo. Uh, that offense has just been on absolute fire. I mean, you look at a guy like Winsel Perez hitting 304 on the year with an OPS mm-hmm. over 1,000 and around 100 at-bats as well. He's another guy you don't really know where he's going to stick defensively because I've heard Rajan Chris say uh, his defensive struggles in the infield. But that's another guy that's been hitting really well as well. So it's a good problem to have all these guys that can hit, uh, but you hope they can figure it out defensively and they can find a spot on the roster next year. Um, but, yeah, well, a lot always, of things. Go ahead. As I always say, if you can hit, you will find they will find a spot. Okay, really, it comes down to the offense. Colt Keith's going to play, okay? I think no later than the end of April, as long as he got out, you know, if he doesn't make it out of spring training, he will be up before Memorial Day. I would be really surprised at this point if he wasn't. Um, the only things that would do that would be an opening slump, an injury, or if the Tigers make other moves this this uh, winter and they are winning from the get-go next year. I don't know if any of those things are going to happen. I don't think any of those things will happen enough to prevent him from being on the team. Uh, he has just shown the ability to uh, hit at multiple levels now. He doesn't have a big weakness that I'm aware of. Again, we've talked about this. You know, do, do you, you want him to hit for average? Great. He, does, he hits for average. Do you want him to draw some walks? He does. Do you want him not to strike out a ton? He doesn't strike out any more than, you know, a normal guy. Uh, you want him to hit lefties? Well, he's shown lefties that he can hit them. Uh, you want the power to come? Power has come. You know, so he's answered the bell pretty much at every point uh, of development as a hitter. So I think that at some point, you know, with, with given the Tigers' offensive woes, he needs to get at bats and it needs to happen. I was hoping it, was, it might even happen in September. It sounds like it won't. Uh, I would say by the end of April into May next year, he's a Detroit Tiger. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think he's. I think they, they don't want to rush anybody. I think we saw that with Spencer Torkelson. He was rushed. Um, if I'm being honest, I think Parker Meadows, I don't know how ready he's going to be offensively. I know he's gotten off to a nice start. He's been drawing some walks, but he did strike out 123 times in 449 at-bats in AAA this year. Um, so I'm not I'm not saying he's going to regress, but I also wouldn't be surprised um, if he starts to regress a little bit offensively. Um, but, yeah, I think they, they don't want to rush these guys, and you always want to have a backup plan in place. That's why I think guys like Zach McKinstry – Andy Abanez, even Akil Badu, having these guys that can fill in and be respectable. Because, I mean, those players, they've been respectable. I mean, they've been uh, below-average hitters, but they also haven't been dreadful. I mean, not to the extent of the 2022 Detroit Tigers. So you have those guys in place if you call up a Colt Keith or Justin Henry Malloy and things go south. You're not stuck there saying, what do we do now? We don't have anybody to replace them with. So I think that's very important as well. Um taking that into account heading into next year. When you guys like Akil Badu and he knows, he knows the score, right? He he knows who's coming up behind him. He's been at Toledo a little bit. Uh, he hears the whispers. He knows what his batting average is and uh, you know, how his performance level has come and gone. Um, next year is going to be a very big year for him. I mean, they have options left on him. He could spend the year in Toledo and, that's would stink for him, but they would keep him in the organization. I don't think he's going to be set loose or anything, but he has to know that Wenzel Perez is probably going to have to play in the majors at some point. Uh, Justin Henry Malloy is probably going to at least get some taste of playing in the outfield. Uh, Parker Meadows isn't going anywhere probably anytime soon. And then green and Carpenter, do they want Carpenter to be a DH? I wouldn't want him to be a DH so early. So there is actually a little bit of a log jam in the outfield, uh, which will probably necessitate a trade. Um, or some guys are going to get left in Toledo who really think they should be in Detroit. Uh, it's a good problem to have, and it might, it's not even a problem yet. They all have to prove they can uh, play in the big leagues. But uh, it, it's certainly something you can kind of see coming over the horizon. Yeah, even a guy like Justice Bigby hitting three fifty two. Uh, down yeah. in the minors as well. It, it's just crazy. I can never remember a time where we've had so many young hitters 
coming up the farm, all performing so well at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. it, it'll be really interesting and really exciting. And obviously we know competition is going to, to make these guys better. And, and you want that competition. You want these guys to be fighting for those roster spots. And I, I think that's what we're going to be heading towards uh, with the depth that Scott Harris has built. And, you know, again, with an off season coming too, we don't know who they're going to bring in. I mean, they don't know who's going to all of a sudden get offered to them. And that could change the whole equation for several of these guys. You know, you talked about Parker Meadows and striking out. And he does. He strikes out a little bit. Um, but he has some power. He was able to hit some lefties this year in the minors. Um, I just, I'm just blown away by the athleticism. Uh, for someone 6'5", you know, his size, the way he runs is so graceful and powerful at the same time. Uh, you know, that triple he had where he just turned on the Jets going around second. Uh, I've seen him play in person here in Des Moines where he has cut some balls off in the gap that looked like sure doubles. Um, and he just loped in there like a gazelle and, and caught them like no problem. Uh, for his size to have that athleticism and that mobility, really what, what a godsend for him to have. I mean, I, I think he's going to be stick as a center fielder. I think that's good for Riley Green in the long term in terms of um, uh, the wear and tear on Riley Green to be able to put him in a corner probably left field at some point if, if Carpenter can uh, become a adequate right fielder. Yeah, I, I definitely think Parker Meadows just defensively. I don't expect Parker Meadows. I'm not going to say never be a good hitter. I would be surprised if he ever is a guy who has uh, an OPS over 800 with 20 to 25 home runs. I think he's probably going to be around league average, might be slightly above league average, but I think defensively uh, what he can do on the base pass as well uh, he's going to have a spot on this team. I think he can, he kind of offers you a little more with a kill by do. I think the offensive upside is a little higher uh, with him. I think he's a bit better defensively. He certainly has a better arm than a kill by do in the outfield. Um, so yeah. And, and you, you mentioned guys that they could potentially add in the offseason. I know uh, last Monday we talked about free agents. That was a really fun discussion. And I saw something today that sparked my interest. And um, I think it's, it's a fun topic to talk about. So um Per Bob Nightingale, um, a pretty uh, big baseball reporter slash columnist, uh, he reported USA that today. yes, USA Today, uh, Pete Alonso is expected to be traded this upcoming offseason. Hmm. Uh, so, I mean, take it with a grain of salt. It's obviously nothing's been confirmed. This is just speculation. Uh, it is a pretty credible source, though, and I don't really. The Mets haven't given him a contract extension yet. Uh, they did extend Francisco Lindor. They did extend Brandon Nimmo, uh, even Starling Marte. So they do have some guys locked up, but you know where I'm going with this, Youper. Uh, huh. Would Pete Alonso be an option for the Detroit what, Tigers? What's his contract situation? Do you know? I can check uh, in just one second. But yeah, go ahead. I, I, did... I think obviously he's an offensive threat. Plays first base. Tigers got a guy there. <laughs> uh, but that's okay. That doesn't mean everything. Obviously, you're interested, right? I mean, who wouldn't be? The guy's an all-star. He has prodigious power. Uh, he would add something to any lineup. The, power, the Tigers have been woefully power deficient for a long, long time. Uh, he would address a whole bunch of that. Uh, you sometimes worry how sluggers age. Uh, what is he, in his late 20s? Yes, he is 28 years old right now. Okay, so it'll be 29 next season. Probably still has a couple of good years left. I think you'd probably explore it, I think, uh, but I think also a lot of teams will explore it. <laughs> uh, what are you giving up for Pete Alonso? What's the con- have you seen the contract? Did you look at it? Yeah, so he his last year of arbitration is next season. So you're, you would basically just be getting him for one year, and then he'd be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Okay. That's a lot, but if we're talking about competing for the division next year, you add a guy like that who's hitting you 35 yeah. to 40 home runs. You said moving Kerry Carpenter to the outfield, you put him, you slot him in right there as your DH. What's um, his uh, what's his on base percentage? Do I can double. Yeah, I can double check that for you in one second. But like in, in terms of like what you would want to trade for him. Is Colt Keith untouchable? Is Justin Henry Malloy untouchable in, in a Pete Alonso trade? Justin Henry Malloy wouldn't be. I mean, he would be 
definitely available. I would say again, you'd have to approach it. Like you're going to get him for one year and one year only. Right. Are you giving up Colt Keith for one year of Pete Alonzo? Like for instance, if you just plug Colt Keith into the lineup next year and let's say he has a average to slightly above average rookie season, whatever those numbers end up being, how far below Pete Alonzo is that next year? Okay. Probably a lot less, but maybe less than we think. Um, and also then whatever club the Mets would get Colt Keith for the next five or six years after that. So <laughs> that's uh, a lot to give up. I would say it's more, I mean, could you give up pretty much anybody not named Colt Keith and Max Clark for Pete Alonzo? Yeah, I think you could. I don't think there's anybody else that that's that untouchable uh, in the minor league system beyond those two names. So I got a name for you, but in terms of his on-base percentage, uh, 324 on-base this year is hitting 221. Last year at 271 with 40 home runs. He does have 39 home runs already this year. Career uh-huh. 876 OPS. Obviously had 53 home runs his rookie year. So he's a guy, you know, you can chalk him up for 40 home runs, a middle-of-the-order bat. Um, but when you talked about you're not trading Max Clark, I'm with you there. You're not trading Colt Keith. I'm with you there. I'm a very big fan of Justin Henry Malloy, but I understand if, if you were to trade him, Jackson Job. Would you give up Jackson Job in a Pete Alonso trade? <laughs> it's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. You know, here's the thing. You'll get another month of, well, not quite a month, a few more weeks of, of watching Jackson Job. See how much you truly believe. I think in the end, I might do it. I really would. I, I, if if I'm Chris Illich and I want to make a move to win this division next season and I'm done waiting, and I'm going to tell Scott Harris, hey, guess what? I'm done waiting and I own this team, so do what I tell you. Uh, then, yes, I think that move could probably be made um, because, you know, Jackson Job is a pitcher. They break down. He's already missed a little bit of this year because he had a back injury. So – you know, you roll the dice a little bit and you get a top slugger. I am a little, I am a little afraid that he hit 221 this year. I didn't realize he had sunk quite to that level. Um, but you know, maybe he's been injured. We don't know. Um, still hit 39 home runs though. You would hope next year he'd come over to Detroit and still put 40 on the board. Um, that would change the look of the entire lineup. No question about it. So I, I could see Jackson Job. I would probably hate myself for doing it, but I think I'd still do it. Yeah, I mean, to me, I would only do it if I know I'm extending Pete Alonso. I'm not trading Jackson Job for one year of Pete Alonso. If I'm extending him into his mid-30s, um, I think I would be okay with that. I, I'm not, I don't want to extend Pete Alonso into his late 30s, into his early 40s like we did with Miguel Cabrera. But if you extend him and that contract goes till he's 35, 36 years old, um, I would be okay trading a prospect like Jackson Job if I know I'm getting a middle-of-the-order hitter that's going to hit me 35 to 40 home runs for the next 8 to 10 years. Well, one thing you could do is you could also uh, extend him a qualifying offer once he leaves and, 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 and get a draft pick. Okay, So you do get that. He wouldn't just walk for nothing. I am very leery about a lot of sluggers as they enter their 30s, where their career is going to go. I think the road is littered. Um, the, the ditch by the side of the road is littered with uh, sluggers who kind of waned a little bit once they hit their 30s. So that would concern me some. I would think I would have no problem um, if you could just go one year. Really, it's if if they really want to go all in and try to compete next year, uh, then I you know, then you have a chance of extending him. But he's going to want a lot of money. I, I I'm not sure if Chris Illich is up for that. Yeah, I mean, I understand getting the draft pick, but Jackson Job is still a guy with a lot of potential. If I'm being honest, I think he has a higher ceiling than guys like Casey Mize, Matt Manning, even Tarek Skubal if he stays healthy. So giving a potential front of the rotation starter. Um, for a one year of Pete mm-hmm. Alonso, that's a lot to ask. But I mean, we'll see how uh, eager the Tigers are to compete. We know the free agent market is not great, and I, I did see the tweet um, f- 
from a guy named Joe M on Twitter, basically listing the Detroit Tigers potential lineup for next year, which <laughs> obviously this is very uh, out there, but he did have Pete Alonzo batting fourth, did have Matt Chapman batting sixth as well. So if the Tigers really wanted to go all in, um, they could add two right right-handed bats that can, that can uh, hit some home runs for the Tigers. And improve the third base, the dead zone at third base with Matt Chapman defensively and offensively. You know, it's all fun to talk about. It would be a, it would be stunning if they did it. Uh, you know, it appears to me anyway. I'm not sure Scott Harris sounds like a big free agent guy. Uh, they're going to try to build from the organization through the organization uh, with waiver claims and drafting, small trades. But we don't know. We'll see. That's the whole mystery of, of, of this entire organization right now. People get on Scott Harris's case because he's been on board for a year and they had one fairly quiet offseason with him at the helm. But that we still don't know exactly what Scott Harris's MO is going to be moving forward. I mean, he has a lot of time here to to uh, build this organization in his in what he sees in his, as his image. Um so, you know, it, it would taking a real risk on a one year for Pete Alonso, whether you can sign him or not, and giving up a good price for him is 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 that deep down in Scott Harris's gut a possibility? We don't know. Yeah, but it's definitely fun to speculate. And I think as the mm-hmm. offseason draws closer, we'll probably hear some more trade rumors, some guys who can be available. Um, it, it's going to be a very uh, fun and exciting ending to the season with. Obviously, we've got some young players, got some veterans uh, trying to prove uh, their worth to this team heading into next year. And, uh, yeah, we'll be here speculating, commenting, giving our thoughts and opinions on it. But, uh, Youper, is there anything else you wanted to hit on before we headed out of here? Well, let's just hope they can um, find a way to take two of these next three from the Yankees. I mean, it would stink to see a weak Yankees team come into Comerica Park and uh, roll all over the Tigers for four four games. Uh, hopefully they can get a, a couple of decent – you know, it's going to be interesting. Uh, they don't know if Matt Manning is going to go on Wednesday or not because he left uh, with some physical issues the other night. Um, then he had a bullpen today, and they're going to see how he feels tomorrow. Um, so it's going to be interesting on Wednesday. If he can't go, do they just go with a bullpen day, or do they use – that 40 man roster spot that's open to bring somebody up uh, that's currently not on the 40 man roster. I don't know who's starting at Erie on Wednesday, for instance, um, who knows? Uh, they, there's a lot of ways they can go with that. So there are some things to watch. I mean, hopefully Matt Manning's healthy and he gets out there Wednesday and uh, does what he did his last time out when he pitched pretty well. So he's been fun to watch lately, even though he's not striking a ton of guys out, he is getting guys out and not allowing a lot of tough contact. Yeah, it was really good to see his last start. He's got that ERA under four now. Uh, he's a guy you hope – I mean, he was a ni- former ninth overall pick in 2015. Um, mm-hmm. Highly touted prospect. Uh, you hope he could be a piece for the Tigers core as well. But thank you to everyone who joined in the chat, all the nice comments. We've got Jeremy, Tiger Town, Old BK. Um, I know this Monday show was a little bit – came out of nowhere – um, but we really enjoy talking Tigers, and um, make sure you catch us on Thursday. Hopefully the whole crew will be here. Obviously have the Tigers minor league report uh, show on Sunday. You also have uh, Bleachers to Speakers, which is our Detroit Lions podcast. That'll be on Mondays. So there was a new episode that dropped tonight if you guys want to go check that out. Um, really good Detroit Lions talk. Obviously we're getting ready for the Detroit Lions season, which starts next week uh, against Kansas City. Youper, I know you're going to be rooting for the Packers. Uh, do you want to give your, your early predictions? All I've heard around these these parts of the town is the Detroit Lions are for real. The Detroit Lions are winning the division. The Detroit Lions have finally gotten over the hump. I mean, I'll see it when I believe it, or I'll believe it when I see it. Um, what do what do you think for the Packers? As a Packers fan, are the Detroit Lions really the best team in the NFC North? Oh, well, on paper, but you know, paper gets burned all the time. So who knows? Uh, but. Uh, you know, the Lions, obviously, they have some talent. They came out strong at the end of last year. They started, what, one and six and got to over 500, right? Is that my right about that? Um, yeah. So, sure, they, they came on strong. Uh, you know, my dad was a Lion fan growing up. 
as, as when I was a Packer fan for a lot of reasons, which I won't bore people with right now. Uh, we've certainly heard this in the past other years where uh, this is Detroit's year. The, the Lions have won one playoff game in my lifetime, John. My, one. <laughs> so, uh, but none of those past failures matter. It's the team they have on the field now. Um, I think they're going to be a tough team. I also think the Packers are a good young team. The Packers have one of the youngest teams in the NFL. They have, uh, I think, two guys left on the roster over the age of 30. The NFL is a young man's game. Uh, Jordan Love is getting some good reviews uh, here in the, in, in the, in the preseason. Uh, he, he looks very calm. Um, he's making the right decisions. He didn't throw any interceptions. Um, so we'll see. If by some stroke of luck, he becomes a top-rated quarterback, heaven forbid, another Hall of Fame quarterback, the Packers will be going on 33-plus years of extremely good quarterbacking, going back to 1989 uh, with you know Makowski in his one big year and then Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. If they can add another incredible quarterback, uh, it would be just one of the greatest sporting things that happened in my lifetime for a team that I follow. So we'll see. No guarantees. He could stink as well. We have a long way to go. But I, I think I think Detroit and Green Bay will fight for the division. Yeah, yeah. We have Minnesota, who won a lot of close games last year. Uh, they're still in the fold as well. You have Chicago with Justin Fields, kind of a young up-and-coming team. I'll be honest, Juper, this is the the longest I've talked about football, I think, in a very long time. Me too. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm excited for the Lions season. And if you guys are Lions fans, if you guys are football fans, we have Bleachers of Speakers. Make sure to check that out as well. Um, but, yeah, thank you for all the nice comments. And thank you for everyone tuning in. Uh, make sure to check out all the other content we have on the channel. Make sure to follow us on X or Twitter or whatever. You can follow Juper on Twitter, who is seldom correct but is never uncertain. Um, I can, I can confirm that, uh, Red Wings too, uh, maybe one day, uh, we'll get some Red Wings talk on the channel, but, um, uh, yes, for me, Youper, everyone here at Motor City Metrics, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Good night, everybody. Good night.